You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. If you could have one thing, what would you ask for? If you could have one thing, what would you ask for? Would it be wealth? Would it be fame? Maybe it would be wisdom, like Solomon. Or to be really smart. So who can remember what our reading was about today? Our scripture reading. What was it about? Elijah and Elisha. And what happened to Elijah? He went to heaven. Now, did he go to heaven on a chariot? Or did he go to heaven in a whirlwind? But we kind of think that sometimes he went to heaven on a chariot. That's what was always in my brain. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. Because you see, Elijah asked Elisha the very same question that I just asked you. Elisha, before I leave, what do you want? Does anyone remember what he, what he asked for? Let's take a peek. 2 Kings 2.9, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now, how many of you were thinking, well, I think I would ask for a little bit more Holy Spirit. That wasn't what I was thinking. In other words... Elisha asked for an extra portion of the Holy Spirit that was so obviously strong and dynamic in his friend and his mentor, Elijah. He wanted some of that. So, how do we know that Elijah was so spirit-filled? What was it that Elisha wanted? What did the Spirit look like as it worked through his mentor and friend Elijah. Well, we can start with Elijah controlled the weather. Did you realize that? He controlled the weather. Let's take a look at 2 Kings 17.1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Teshbi and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before who I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Whoa, that's some power. Then we have good old Elijah who seemed to always be starving to death. There were three times when Elijah was so famished that he basically thought he was, a, he was done for. Okay? So I think you're going to remember the first one. It has something to do with something that flies. 
He was starving, and who fed him? A raven. Let's take a peek. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Don't have to worry about cooking. Don't have to worry about dishes. Let's just get it from the raven. That's pretty powerful. And I think you might know the other one. There, there was another time when he was just about toast. I mean, he was so hungry. He was starving to death. And he came upon a house. And a widow and her son lived in that house. And they were starving to death. And all she had left was just a little bit of flour and just a little bit of oil to make one more loaf of bread. So she kind of told him, she said, this is all I have. Elijah said, make it. And the next day, there was more oil and there was more flour. And the next day, there was more oil and there was more flour. That's pretty powerful stuff. Now, the third thing you may not be quite as familiar with, there was another time when Elijah was beside himself. He was like having a pity party and was like, God, I'm the only believer in the whole world. He was almost depressed about it, but he was hungry again. Let's see how he got fed this time from God. 1 Kings 19, 5 to 6. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. He woke up, and the same thing happened until he got his strength back. Now, that's a lot of, a lot of power from God working through Elijah through the Spirit, isn't it? But there are mo there's more. How about this poor widow who befriended Elijah? Her son ends up dying. And Elijah had obviously become very attached, and he was distraught. Well, let's see what happens. 1 Kings 17, 22, And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived Wow! The Spirit was powerful in Elijah. And probably the most famous example of the power of the Spirit that Elijah had was when he did a little challenge. Now, I'm going to use the word Baal because that's what, how I learned it in Sunday school instead of Baal. It's easier to say Baal. So you have this God, Baal. And the Israelites were having a very, very difficult time keeping even the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And so they were double dipping. They had a little Baal, they had a little Jehovah. Well, that wasn't going to work. So Elijah had to prove to them there is only one God. And that's Jehovah. That's Yahweh. Baal is nothing. So he has a little challenge. He says, I tell you what we'll do. You all over here, you Baal prophets and priests, you all make, you all make a, an altar over here. I'll make an altar over here. 
and I'll even let you go first. Let's see which God is going to light that baby on fire. So that's what he did. He let them go first. They sang and they danced and they pranced and they screamed and they hollered. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. It got so ridiculous that Elijah starts making fun of them. Let's take a peek. 1 Kings 8, 27. And at noon, this has been going on all morning. At noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Like, where's your god at? Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. Did you catch that? Is your God going to the bathroom someplace? Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and he must be awakened. Now that's funny. I don't care who you are. So, they finally give up, and now it's Elijah's turn. So Elijah starts the process by having 12 stones put in a circle, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, so everyone's going to know this is Israel's God, Yahweh, Jehovah. Then he does something interesting. He says, can y'all build a trench around these rocks? Then he finally puts the wood up. He takes the sacrifice bowl and puts them up on top of the wood. And now it's showtime, right? Do you want to see how it's all turned out? Well, let's read about it. 1 Kings 18, 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. I forgot to tell you. He had them put 12 buckets of water on the wood. Didn't make any difference, did it? Because our God is powerful our God is faithful. Now maybe you understand a little bit why Elisha asked for what he asked for. This Holy Spirit, he's a powerful guy. Who wouldn't want some of that? So, here is an even more challenging question for you this morning. How is your relationship going with God? Although I'm confident that you aren't worshiping Baal, how's your daily liturgy going? Is your daily liturgy bringing you closer to God or farther away? Let me explain. Because you're probably asking yourself right now, what is a daily liturgy? It's something we studied last week in my seminary classes. Our personal daily liturgies. So when I say the word liturgy, you're probably thinking about the order of service, like invocation, confession, absolution, operatory. And yes, you, you would be right. That is the liturgy. That's how we go about our business when we worship. Let me give you a few examples from when we worship. So invocation. See, this is 
this is a this is a coming and going of God into into the worship and to us coming to us this is the relationship part this is what Elisha wanted this relationship that he, that Elijah had so in, in our invocation God welcomes us in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit in our confession we go to God and ask for forgiveness in our absolution God gives us his response by forgiving us how about the readings and our sermon God speaks to us he comes to us through his word and how about communion God comes to us in his body and his blood that's liturgy but we all have a daily our own personal daily liturgies let's put a definition of liturgy up there for us so this is liturgy it guides us and helps us form a basis for establishing a relationship with God well that's what we do when we worship with our liturgy that we use and Elisha knew that so he wanted an extra measure of that spirit so that relationship could be established so it could grow and he could be fruitful he knew of the fruits of the spirit long before Paul preached about the fruits of the spirit in Galatians which was our epistle lesson in our eight o'clock service this morning you know Galatians 5 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law I'm not sure about you but I would like some of those fruits so how do we get them it isn't complicated the Holy Spirit produces these fruits in our hearts and our minds through the word which brings us to our personal liturgies how we go about our daily lives do you start your day with the word is the word in the middle of your day someplace does your day end with the word See, no, we don't worship Baal, but the things we worship, they do have an impact on our relationship with God. Well, I'm just as guilty as anyone sitting here today or listening online. My daily liturgies don't always equal spirit-filled relationship with God. I'm by nature just as sinful as anyone else let me put it another way take a look are you living with the Lord or dying with the world take a look at that one more time are you living with the Lord or dying with the world you see my friends we all can ask for an extra measure of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds just like Elisha did we need it 
This world is powerful. But our God is stronger. He is more powerful. He is faithful. The Holy Spirit will respond. We can respond to those gifts in godly, powerful ways, just like Elijah, just like Elisha, just like any Christian that we know who has that relationship with God. We witnessed this personal relationship getting started in the baptism of little Isabella this morning. Wow. So, back to the original question this morning. After studying this verse, I was taken immediately back to my days at Lutheran High Northeast and my principal and my dear friend, Paul Leckband, one of the most godly men I've ever known. And Paul would always ask for something when we had difficult challenges, maybe at a, at a, at a, at a faculty meeting or maybe at a board meeting. Guess what he would always ask for? An extra measure of the Spirit. I finally get it. I finally get what he was asking for. Now a different Paul, the Apostle Paul, sums it up in chapter 8 in his letter to the Romans. It is wonderful news for all of us sitting here today, just like it was wonderful news to the Romans and those early Christians at the Roman church almost 2,000 years ago. Romans 8 verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Paul was excited. Take a look at that first phrase again. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That's a good thing. The church had a great building block to start from. Paul knows their daily liturgies are godly. I'll say that again. Paul knows their daily liturgies are godly. They're spiritual. Paul knows they're filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And he is thrilled for this. Let's continue in verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Do you see it? Did you hear it? Righteousness. Not our righteousness because of God's righteousness. Let me explain righteousness a little bit and its importance. When sin entered this world, our relationship with God was shattered. Our relationship with God was no longer right. Do you get it? Have you ever had an argument with your spouse or a brother or sister or your best friend where things aren't right and it's all you can think about? Like you can't even move on in your day until you make that relationship right? Well, what do you think God was doing when we sinned? 
But he took it upon himself to make sure that our relationship could be right again. Last week, Pastor Gerber preached about the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're all three heavily involved with making our relationship right with God again. Let's take a look. Father first. The Father sent His Son as a once-for-all sacrifice to make things right. How about Jesus? Jesus, His Son, carried out the will of His Father all the way to the cross to make things right. And how about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit mediates for us to make things right. He's kind of our lawyer. They are all wonderfully and graciously faithful to our own salvation story. Let's conclude with verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Like little Isabella, spirit dwells in her heart. So what does, where does that get us? Well, here we go. Our faithful God, our promise keeper, gives us a life-giving, life-saving promise. God will raise our bodies from the dead because he says he will. And he keeps his promises. All we have to do is believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish, but have eternal life. We can't believe by ourselves, however. That's where the Spirit comes in. Our faithful God gives us the help we need. So we pray this morning for that Spirit. We pray, come Holy Spirit and dwell in our hearts and minds so that we too may be counted among the saints of all believers, that we may live with the Lord and not die with the world. Great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.